You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. From a firehouse to a dynamic and prolific theater, how'd they do that? Find out on today's episode. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Sean Chandler, and you're listening to Your Program Is Your Ticket, a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. My guests on today's show are Julie Menard and Emily Black of Marblehead Little Theater, and they are part of my Act Two Places series, which gives theater folks an opportunity to discuss the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on them and their organizations and their plans for reemergence. Marblehead Little Theater was founded in 1955 by members of the Drama Committee of the Marblehead Women's Club, ignited by the desire to tackle bigger and better things. Five decades later, it has proven to be one of the oldest community theater groups in New England, as well as one of the few to have continually produced shows each year. Keep in mind that our interviews are recorded at different times to optimize schedules, just in case the audio sounds a little different from here and there. So let's bring them on. Hi, Julie and Emily, and welcome to your program, Is Your Ticket. Hi, how are you? Great. How are you? Doing well. Can't complain. Very, very good. Emily, yeah. are you there with us? I am. Hi, Sean. Thank you so Hi. much for having us here today. We're uh, so excited. Let's start by having you introduce yourself to our listeners and telling us your function within Marblehead Little Theater. Sure. So I'll go ahead and get started. My name is Julie. I am the president of the board of directors of Marblehead Little Theater. Um, I serve as kind of uh, uh, I call myself Madame President, and I, I demand to be called that at all times. I'm just kidding. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the overseer of, of the entire function of the theater, um, making sure that the different committees are working um, the way that they need to be working, making sure that the financials um, are, you know, what they need to be, um, that the building is being uh, uh is functioning I guess function is is just my big kind of part of being president is all the little pieces making sure that they're going together as smoothly as possible okay great all right Emily Yes. Um, so I have the title of executive producer of Marblehead Little Theater. And if we think of everything big picture that Julie just talked about, I would say that when it comes to the actual shows that we put together, that's kind of where the handoff happens and the responsibilities that I have. So everything from helping understand what the season planning committee is going to put together annually from our programming, from our adult um, community theater shows, as well as um, our children's programming that we run pretty robustly from an educational perspective. Um, and then the market, working with our marketing committee, um, working with the actual producers of the shows, the directive, the entire creative team, and making sure that each and every production that we put together is of top quality. Um, our community knows about it um, and that we're able to bring people in to enjoy all of our productions, um, asterisk in a normal time period. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, what was the, can you remember the first time that the theater bug struck you and, and what that felt like and where you were, what you were participating in? Yeah, so um, I always grew up doing theater. Um, my parents still have um, cassette tapes of me singing Christmas songs that every once in a while my dad will say, hey, Julie, like, what? can you just come here for a minute? And all of a sudden it's me singing like the Santa song and I'm like, dad, like, come on. Um, but I was pretty young. I was maybe five or six. Um, and I always grew up with musical theater. Musical theater is just my absolute Love, love, love. Um, I saw Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat with Donny Osmond on tour in the second grade. And man, I wore that sweatshirt until it had holes in it and my mom had to pry it off my body. Um, I can still name all of the colors of Joseph's coat now about uh, 20 plus years later. Um, and and then, you know, my sister did um, theater when she was in high school and I saw her in Anything Goes. And I was like, I want to do that. I want to do that. So when I got to high school, um, I auditioned and um, I went to college for theater. And and then I, I got involved in Marblehead. Cool. Um, just so you know, uh, the very, very first Broadway show I ever saw was Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes. And I saw oh, with, um, and please tell me you know who this is, Andy Gibb 
No. No, Emily, I'll have do you know to who Google. that is? No. I'm going to have to say no as well. Okay. Do you know who the Bee Gees are? <laughs> yes, okay. yes, yes. He was the younger brother of the Bee Gees. And like right after I saw him and that occurred, like maybe a year or so afterwards, he died of a heart condition. Oh, how sad. Yeah, I know. Wah, wah. Sorry, sorry to bring the interview down like, within the first five minutes. But yeah, it was it was the very first Broadway show I ever saw on a trip here to New York um, back in 19... When I was a senior in high school. <laughs> okay, Emily, let's let's uh, hear a little bit about your the spark that sparked your little theater. Sure, yeah. So I think similar to Julie... Um, my family had always been kind of into music and theater, and I've been fortunate to be exposed to it from a young age. I think I went to see The Sound of Music on Broadway in elementary school. My aunt brought me to see that, and then countless other shows that I was fortunate to see um, growing up that was brought to New York. My parents grew up in the Connecticut area, and so grandparents still lived within driving distance to New York City, so frequent trips were taken there for birthdays or Christmas presents often or tickets, which now as an adult, I know was quite a generous gift and wonderful experience. And then in terms of getting on stage myself, uh, I would say middle school is probably where I started. Um, I think I was a milkmaid in Oliver, probably Oliver Jr. was the production. Um, and then stuck through performing in the chorus main lady ensemble. I love ensembles and that was kind of my spot um, and was in all of the productions through high school. Um, and then kind of from there, I've taken more of the behind the scenes um, position. My husband is a director um, and has done lots of work at Marblehead Little Theater and is a board member along with Julie. So I'd say he kind of brought me back into the theater realm um, and I've been doing things off the stage kind of ever since. It never goes away. You can never escape it. No. No matter no matter how hard you try. It just you know, you think, Oh, I have to go live in the real world and get a real job and it just it, yeah. it just it just ricochets back. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I yeah. Uh, my feeling about that as well. Uh just for a little context, what was the last show that either of you saw in New York, if I may ask? The last one I mm, in actual New York, I saw Dear Evan Hansen with the love of my existence, Ben Platt, who I just, uh, uh, he was, uh, from the moment the, 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 that weekend I saw Hamilton and I saw Dear Evan Hansen, like it was a mm. big weekend. I was wow. like, did I just die and go to heaven? Like what is happening? Right. I just lied to you. That's not the last show that I saw. The last <laughs> one, <laughs> it was the one I remember, um, once on this island. Ah, uh, me because- too. Yeah, so Alex Newell, who was in Once on this Island, um, we know personally because he used to do work at Marblehead Little Theater. He's amazing. He's amazing. He's they are amazing. amazing. I don't yeah, they sure are the amazing. pronoun, yeah. but they, oh yeah, 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 they, they are um, amazing. Just, just incredible. So I did um, see Alex in Once on this Island, um, and they were just. It, it was a much different feeling because um, of that personal connection. Um, but, but yeah, they're just, it was an amazing experience. Yeah, it was awesome. That show was great. It really was. I'd never seen yeah. it before. Oh, my gosh. So Once on this Island was actually the first show that I ever did at Marblehead Little Theater. So um, Emily's husband actually casted me in that. Um, that hit me with the lasso and, and reeled me in. Um, and that was, it'll be 11 years in June. Um ago. So, you know, we're all going full circle, right? Like the theater community is very small. Um, every show kind of has a connection to another show or another person. And, um, I just, I really love that. And I I think it's really a a special feeling for me. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite directors, Michael Arden directed that particular production. I love circle in the square theater. That's such a cool theater. Um, they did when they did a fun home, there, I mean, just there's things coming up and out of the, from underneath the stage and just popping up. I mean, it's, it does so much more than, than you think it actually does. It's, 
it's um it's a very very cool theater. I, I like it very much. And I have to tell you, I I love Dear Evan Hansen. I saw Dear Evan Hansen the first time off Broadway, and then um I saw it the very very first night of previews. And I remember the audience was only like two thirds full, and I thought. <laughs> this is going to flip in 24 hours. You just watch. But my, favorite, my favorite part, I am a huge Rachel Bay Jones fan. I love her as Heidi Hansen. So big, so small is my favorite moment uh, ever on stage that yeah. I was just like, I don't cry a lot in the theater, but boy, I was like a puddle. You know, it's interesting that you say that because when I saw Dear Evan Hansen and Emily, maybe, maybe you can uh, either agree with me or disagree is that moment didn't hit me as much. However, now that I'm a mom, uh. I think I'm probably, so my, my daughter's a year old. She'll be a year old, um, in two weeks. So a, a much different feeling of just like a person who's like, yeah, I have a mom and my mom's great, but like. It's, it's a different feeling when like you're actually someone's mom. So I'll, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think it'll be, I'm going to go back and I'm going to listen to it again and see, does it hit different now? Hmm. Emily, do you want to respond to that? It definitely hit pretty hard. So maybe it would hit even harder. if not that I, (laughs) I, I do remember it was one of those shows where I went with, um, our dear friend who also does things at Marblehead Little Theater, Leanne, who music directs a ton of our shows and my husband, Steve, who Julie's mentioned. And often when we go and see shows, they like to walk into a show completely blind to it. I mean, obviously knowing backstory, but not having listened to the recording time and time again, whereas I am guilty of spending my commute in and out of Boston, memorizing the song and the Mm -hmm. show, but never really paying attention to the order. So I remember kind of being taken aback as to how I knew all the words and I knew the song itself, but actually listening to it and watching it I was completely blown away. And I remember sitting there also seeing Sean. I was just sobbing, like absolutely tears, like oh. ugly crying. Oh. Luckily, nobody could really see me just taking in that song. So, well, now I'm like, do I have a black soul? Because I wasn't really <laughs> by it at the no. time. You're going to make me feel bad. It's okay. I'll go back. Emily, I'll report <laughs> back. I'll text you later. Yeah. Okay. And Sean, I'll let you know too. Please do. <laughs> Please do that again. That is my very favorite uh, moment, and she's probably my favorite actor yeah. overall. I always say she has this. Um, I just had this discussion a couple shows ago with somebody from Seattle. Um, she has this her own internal X factor about her. Like you've seen people who have the X factor, like oh yeah, they're in, but there's something about her that's just very um, specific in a very um, like vulnerable sweet um but powerful way i don't know she's just she's just fabulous in fact i went and saw dear evan hansen in london just before like in february of last year before everything shut down i was so glad i got to see it there so um but anyways yeah but we will flip you know major props to once on this island for sure and yeah you get to see leah salonga hello yes yeah Um, you know after the show, we we had stayed behind to see Alex, of course, and I saw Leah Salonga, Salonga, excuse me. Um, and I grew up listening to Miss Saigon. I have very vivid memories of my older sister and I being in California and listening to Miss Saigon. And I totally fangirled. Like I was like, I don't want to look at her. I don't want to like say. Like I was so nervous. I was like, ha, ha. and like that's not me. Like I, I'm very much like, hey, how are you? And I was like, it was like I was in the third grade again. And I was like, huh, but you're Princess <laughs> Jasmine. Like, and I, 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 uh, no, I'm sorry. She wasn't Jasmine. Um, uh, Mulan. And like, I listened to you in Miss Saigon and, and I saw Miss Saigon when I was in the second grade and like, oh, this is crazy. Yeah. It was, it was really weird, weird for me. <laughs> so you didn't talk to her? I didn't. I was too nervous. I just, I, was, I, I kind of just like, Alex was like, oh, the, you know, these are my friends. And I was like, hi, nice job. And then I like went back down to my phone. Like I was, I was, <laughs> it was like, I was a totally different person. I did not say anything. <laughs> it was very strange. Emily, I think that she knew, don't you think? Don't you think that Leah Salonga probably knew? It was probably, it was probably all over Julie's <laughs> <laughs> Probably. She probably would have been like security. Like this, a weird girl is like staring at me. Like what? Oh Yeah. 
I think I was texting the person I was with being like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe she's done with it. And he's like, just say something. I was like, I can't, I can't. I can, I can fangirl pretty hard myself. And that theater, the uh, Circle in the Square Theater, I believe that the actors come out and leave the theater in and out through the lobby. I believe so, so yeah. Because I remember we saw uh, recently the revival of Oklahoma there and like Ali Stroker was out there and the guy who was the, who played um, uh, Curly was out there. And I just thought there's walking in and out through here. And of course, you know, we're like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not yeah. worthy. I don't know what I'm saying. I, I, know, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I hear you. I, I, I try not to do that when I interview people, but I definitely do it at the theater. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's my ticket. So I can do what I want anyways. Um, <laughs> as long as I'm not weird or creepy about it, which I try not to do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. We fangirled enough here. Um, uh, let's get back to Marblehead Little Theater. Tell us a little bit about the theater. What is, what is the mission that you hope to accomplish uh, with your productions? Yeah, so um, Marblehead Little Theater is located in the north of Boston region. So Marblehead is is a small um, coastal town. There are is you know there's two ways in and out. Um, it is not easily accessible. Um, very much busy in the summer. Not not a lot of people in the off season. Um, and we have a goal to bring. Uh, high quality um, plays and and musicals to to the North Shore of of Massachusetts and um, our location is small. Um, the the building itself is big, but the actual um, black box playing space is quite small. We only seat eighty seven, um, so. It is a very intimate space. Um, and our goal is always to not only give the, the audience the classics, right? So, so we're giving them, um, Mary Poppins and we're giving them, um, Oklahoma and, and we're giving them these things, but we're also giving them lesser known shows. We're giving them next to normal. We're giving, we're not le- lesser known shows, but, but more, um, recent and and maybe not as well known um and you know people will will come and they say you know I I come to Marblehead Little Theater because I I know that the theater is is known for their quality and I may not know the show but I don't really care that I don't know the show I just know that it's going to be good um and so our goal is to is to not only bring them um those old classics that we know and love, the the importance of being earnests, um, but also you know the curious incident of the the Emily. I'm going to butcher it. Curious incident of the dog in the nighttime. <laughs> Is that yeah. what it's curious incident? So yeah. um, having a wide range that we can just bring these these pieces and the, this culture um, to this little town, and and I think it's they were doing a pretty good job of that. We're doing a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to toot my own horn and be like, we're doing great. But like, yeah, we're doing great. Now is the time for horn tooting. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You can do as much horn tooting on my show as you like. Feel free. Noted. Noted. You're going to regret that decision. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I see you have quite, um, uh, quite varied productions. I, I pulled up your past productions from your website and just in your 2011-2012 season, um, the Eight Ranger Monologues, love that play. Velveteen mm-hmm. Rabbit, Oliver, Spring Awakening, uh, Proof, uh, Cuckoo's Nest, Songs for the New World, Songs for New World. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, a, a very, very extremely well-rounded season, if, if um, you know, in my opinion, means anything. I think either that this is just a nice variety who comes up yeah. with your seasons? How do you go about picking, selecting your season normally? So that's actually one of um, the committees that we have um, on the board of directors. So we have a specific, um, very official season planning committee who plans the seasons. Um, and they meet um, 
way ahead of time and they take suggestions. Um, they come up with their own ideas. They look at um, the year as a whole and they say, okay, in this spot, this is a good production to put here. Or maybe this is um, a, a show that we want to put in a bigger space and we have the time to do it here. Um, and and they, they take the time to sit down and pull together this proposal. Um, and the members of this committee are not all necessarily board members. They are um, board members as well as just actors and directors and people that have done shows at Marblehead that want to be involved in that decision-making process. Um, and then when the season planning committee completes their their proposal is they bring it to the board and the board has a discussion and we say you know yes no can we flop these can we think about this can we push this do we want to do this many shows can we do more shows etc um but nine times out of ten and and that's probably being a, a little um critical is that they get exactly right and we don't have much feedback for them um because they do so much planning and and research and how do we make this work before they even bring it for an approval um Mm -hmm. that we don't really typically have much discussion other than being like oh my god i can't wait like this is this is a very easy decision Mm. yeah it and i just counted 12 12 shows in one season So are you constantly going or? Yeah, that doesn't even include the rentals that we have, um, the children's programs that we have, um, you know, just the the normal rental space, the rehearsals that we have going on in the theater. Um, Our our tech director had, had actually told me one time that like out of 365 days in the year, we probably have people in the theater 80% of that. On any mm-hmm. given day, there's there's constantly people in the space, um, which means that that the this the town of Marblehead they see the people in this space, they see the the hustle and bustle of of just people coming and going and coming and going, and then they're interested. What are you guys doing? Like, what's happening? Um, so in in most recent years, we have scaled back just a little bit. In the um, 2011-2012, we were doing um, more. Um, but in recent years, we did decide to take a little bit of a step back and say, okay, it's not just about doing the 12 shows. It has to be tw- the number of shows that we have that we do has to be quality, not quantity. So are we stretching ourselves too thin by trying to do 12 shows? And maybe we are. So last year in the Mm -hmm. season that unfortunately didn't happen um, because of COVID, we did take a step back and say, you know, instead of doing 12 shows or or eight shows, Emily, I think we, we chose six or or seven. Um, because we wanted to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, again, those six shows were not including the children's program. We're not including rentals. Um, those are our six Marblehead Little Theater produced productions. Um, yep. those produced productions are directors that, that come in and they, they say, I want to direct this particular piece. Um, and then the actors and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I, I miss that very, very much. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's in, it's in your blood, and it sounds like both of you were kind of, as I like to say, born in the born in a trunk. Yeah, <laughs> you're familiar with that phrase, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, good, good. I'm just like, I hope I'm not showing my my old age again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's Andy Gibb all over again. Oh no, I have to look him up after we're done. Andy Gibb. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. I'm looking at this, and so the Velveteen Rabbit, I assume that was one of your children's uh, shows. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah. but but still, that's like, and then you said you did rentals? Is, was that when somebody comes and rents yeah. out the, the theater yeah. To, yeah. Like, to, to produce a play or whatever? Yep, Emily, do you want to give a little bit of background on that? Yeah, sure. So just to clarify the children's programming piece, too, we tend to do a youth production in our regular season every year. So like the Velveteen Rabbit would represent that. And then in addition to that, we have 
um, a children's theater program. So that offers after school programming that runs a handful of times throughout the year. So they would come, children come to the theater, um, from like the four to six time frame, a couple times a week and, and then put together, uh, a production. Um, it also is what houses our, um, school vacation workshops. So those are more of like an intensive or summer camp type workshops. Um, so when we talk about the children's theater and, then the main season that kind of that's the intersection there and then other things that happen in our space um rentals that we had could be anything from um every february we tend to have this group called love scotland that comes and puts together a beautiful performance um around the valentine's day time period so they'd be a rental um we have other theater groups that are around the North Shore area, but don't have a home like we do at the firehouse. So they um, may reach out to us as to when we have room in our schedule to be able to have them rehearse and then use the actual theater themselves under their um, company's name to use the space. We've rented out to other children's um, theater groups that, again, don't have a home but are looking for a place to put their show up and then um, perform it. Trying to think, we have a somewhat in-house improv um, group. So Mm -hmm. a a member of our board runs an improv group, and so they come and perform at the space, um, I would say, like at least quarterly. Um, and then we also give our space out when possible to some organizations. So I can think off the top of my head, I know the, through a scholarship and a grant, the, um, Boys and Girls Club of Salem, um, comes and uses our space annually to put together a, a production and then use our space to have, um, the parents of the program come and their family members come and actually see that. So yeah, in addition to our, I don't know, either six to 12 full-fledged performances that we're putting on. I think the rest of what I kind of just went over is what keeps us at that 80% occupancy on any given time. And as you can probably imagine, a lot of those 80 filled day, 80% filled days, um, it's not just one group that's in there. There's often a balancing act of the Frozen Junior cast is done at seven o'clock, but the Young Frankenstein cast will be coming in to rehearse, but they need to wait outside until 7.30 um, and they really can't come in early because the space is being allocated right up until that moment. And then we need to deal with parental pickup and drop off and then set up and moving of set pieces to make sure that we're ready to go for the next production. It's rehearsal. Yeah. I feel like the doors are never locked or something like it's just, it just, it's just, that is a recent conversation we had. actually. <laughs> um, are we locking those doors? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I would say that it is um, a revolving door for sure um, of constant activity and um, liveliness. Indeed. Gosh, that's, that's quite a schedule for yeah. whoever's coordinating all of that to, to, to keep straight that, but, but wonderful programs. And, um, it says here that the, uh, presentations by the students in, uh, the children's uh, theater program, um, they, they do professional presentations by the students at the completion of each session. So they get to go up and perform as well. Right. Yeah, Yeah, they do. That's so great. You know, you're, you're sparking. That's one of the reasons why I had asked you where you got your original spark from, because when you do something like that, you may be the first person who is, is sort of making that little click yeah. in their head that we've got a future theater person here. And I think that that's really, really cool. Yeah. We have, we have a lot of children that come back time and time again. Um, we have a lot of, of, new kids who come in because a friend of theirs did the program and they really loved it. And, and they, you know, convinced their parents to let them come. Um, I will say that throughout, throughout the, the entire year of COVID that we're at now is that we, when we were given the, the okay, we have been able to maintain these children's programs. And that's something that I've always really, um, spoken about how important it is because these kids need an outlet. They, they need something 
you know, they still maintain the six feet of distance and, and they still mask and that's important. Um, but we are, our education director is, she's incredible. She is always going to bat for those kids. Um, and, and finding workarounds that still keep them engaged and still keep them involved and safe. And, um, you know, now they're not able to perform live at the end, right? But they're coming up with ways to record and splice these things together so that the kids are acting with each other um, and the videos are going out to their families um, so that they can, um, you know, share that still with, you know, Grandma Betty and, and Aunt Susan and, and everything. Um, and and I will continue to advocate um that it's, it's not going to be something that's going to make us money. And if we break even, that's fine. I, <laughs> I, I don't care about that um, because it's getting the kids involved and it's getting the kids, um, you know, uh, uh, getting that bug and, and it's important. Wow. That's very cool. Now I have to say, I have a, a friend who I've actually interviewed a couple of times on my show in Chicago. His name is Larry Little and he has a company called CPA theatricals because he used to be a CPA and now he coordinates <laughs> all these, the writing of all these um, kid shows. He had a show out here um, called numbers nerds in NIMP a few years ago. And I interviewed him for this particular series. And he is, he's like, you know, maybe this is tacky to say this, but my business has taken off big time. The kids need theater they need something to do and mm -hmm. he's 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 having his teams put together shows that they can do on on zoom that he could then turn into stage shows um he's like i have never been busier than i have been now and so i totally believe it and you know what and kids i mean we're adults we can be a little more disciplined about our field well most people can me i don't know but <laughs> but kids it's a you know you part of, I would assume being a parent is keeping them engaged and entertained and, you know, and I'm sorry, I don't have any children. Am I, am I correct with that? You want mine? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's lovely. Love you. Mean it. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, I mean, my daughter, like I said, is only one and, and Emily's son is, is seven months or he'll be seven months at the end of, of, or no, just turned seven months. It, it's really <laughs> hard to get them engaged. It's I feel like I'm always like, just watch Disney Club, Mickey's Clubhouse, please. Give me just a minute to wash my hands, <laughs> please. Anything. <laughs> um, yeah. So so it is definitely challenging to to keep them engaged, but the programs help and it gets them out of. I hate to say it gets them out of the house, but like it gets them out of the house and it gets them with other kids. Um, and, and even if it's just an hour every day for a week, like that, they appreciate that. And, and they're, um, they're excited by it. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking the parents probably appreciate it just as well. And you'll be those kinds of parents who appreciate it in about what, yeah. 10, 11 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Good karma coming back to you. <laughs> I'm sorry, Julie, you were saying something. I keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, don't, oh no, but I want to hear it. I was just saying, I always say to the, to the education director, like we got six years until Joanna comes. We got six <laughs> years. The day that she's ready to sign up, I'm like, She's in. She's wow. in. I can't wait. Very, very cool. Now, you brought yeah. up the firehouse. Mm -hmm. The firehouse yeah. is a big part of Marblehead Little Theater. So so tell me about that. So the firehouse is quite literally a firehouse, um, a former firehouse um, right on School Street in Marblehead. Um, uh, uh, in the... I'm going to get the dates wrong. I believe it was the early nineties. They shut down the firehouse. Um, and it was, I say betrothed, but it, it's not betrothed. Um, given to Marblehead little theater in the early two thousands. Um, again, I may be getting the dates wrong. Emily, feel free to fact check me. Yeah. Um, so I do know there was the firehouse. Then it stopped being the firehouse. And then I think while it was in its last kind of, 
um, phase as being part of the town of Marblehead, it was the head of like parks and recreation um, or something like that. It had a different use when it was no longer an active firehouse for a time period. But then as yeah, Julie was alluding to, the town was no longer finding need for the building. Um, and at that point is when the possibility of it being purchased um, was brought to, at the time, the not only the board of directors, but um, the trustees, our board of trustees as well, um, that kind of helped with the capital campaign and the financial backing for us to be able to purchase the building. Um, and then kind of, as you imagine, the necessary um, renovations to turn a once firehouse turned place where they kept lawnmowers and such for the town of Marblehead into um, our black box theater space, as well as our upstairs rehearsal rooms. And then um, our attic contains a bunch of our props and costumes. It also brought in, um, we have a fully functional um, three-story elevator to make our building accessible. Um, so all of those types of things kind of came to be after building was purchased and turned into the theater or as i say betrothed i like to think that it was betrothed (laughs) to us it was given to us even though we bought it but i like the princess of the princess of marvelhead raised her (laughs) wand and said i now give you this theater go go make go make magic that's exactly what happened and that's what we're doing we're making magic (laughs) let us make magic um yeah, so so when I started with Marblehead um, in 2009, the elevator at the time was just a shaft. There was nothing there. It was like covered in tarps, and there was literally nothing there. Um, and the theater raised the money in order to get the elevator um, there and functional. Um, and then even on the second floor, what is now two rehearsal spaces, two bathrooms, and an office, that was all plywood. You couldn't even walk up there. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty, and that was only like 10, 10, 11 years ago. And then, um, you know, the renovations. And then in 2011, they added the bathrooms upstairs before that, when you were doing a show, it was like the actors would have to share the bathrooms with the general, just patrons. Um, I remember when we did spring awakening, um, we didn't have the bathroom upstairs. So it would be the end of, of act one and, you know, um, Vendla and, and, um, Melchior are there and, and all the thing. And I would literally just, everyone would know that they had to make room for me because I was going to bolt to the bathroom to get in there before any of the patrons did as soon as the lights went down and I would <laughs> run in and I would run out before any of the patrons came in because we only had that one bathroom. And so that that's even more timely, right? Like that was only 10 years ago. We didn't have that, those second and third bathrooms upstairs. Um, so it's a good testament to, to our board of trustees who, um, now that we fully own the building, um, we no longer have the board of trustees and they've evolved into um, a different function um, within the board. Um, and just they're, they're helping us raise money and different grants that we could get for the um, improvements to the building. And, and it's incredible just to see, you know, literally you can see the giant doors and the doors still open where the fire trucks would come in and out. And sometimes when yeah. it's nice, open up all the doors and, and kind of just, you're in a dance rehearsal, you open up all the doors and just let the sun shine in and just do your thing. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's a great space. Yeah. It's awesome. Do you ever use the doors as part of a production? We do not because the doors go right out into um, the open patio that we have. So it's, it's, it would just be right out like into the open. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we could think about it at some point, but then, you know, some rando could probably just come right on yeah. in during production. But, I mean, Hey, that would be live theater, yeah. man. Things happen. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, I, I'm so glad that, that people are coming to your aid and to your assistance to, to uh, assist with the projects that you need done because people don't realize that most theaters are, are just really being held together sometimes by spit and paper clips. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, we are real. Go ahead. Emma. I would say 
Oh yeah. I said recently we're very fortunate that, um, with it being kind of a older brick building, um, things that I've learned since my time here is things like brick buildings need to be repointed. So we were super fortunate to be able to um, write a grant and have um, a matched grant to very generous fundraising efforts that we were able to do over the last six to nine months, maybe Julie. And um, we've been able to take advantage of kind of the quiet time in the theater right now. And there are a team of, people in there repointing and kind of helping us maintain the integrity of our building. Um, so silver lining to the quiet time that is oh, right yeah. now. But I think beyond that, we are just, as you were saying, super fortunate, not only that um, we have those, we have those patrons and those support systems that are willing to help um bring things to the theater and willing to understand what it takes to maintain the theater, both from not only an artistic perspective, but I mean, we need to be able to keep the four walls standing up and the roof from leaking. Yeah. Quite li- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I call my, my show, your program is your ticket because I'm from my husband and I moved to New York five and a half, five and a half years ago. But before that we lived in, uh, Southern California theater is not in Southern California what it is here, or probably even um, in uh, at, at Marblehead Little Theater. I mean, the, literally, somebody would hand you a program after you paid your money or you confirmed a reservation, and your seat number would be listed on it. <laughs> and there's there's that's just one of the things that I I saw. Uh, just going to theater in, in Southern California, they just, sometimes there wasn't money for programs and printed tickets. And uh, so uh, I think it's really important that we shine a light on situations where people really are doing this wonderful work and they, and they, and they could use our support, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. even, even if it's a, a $25 check once you, I mean, if that's what you have and you give it, you know, that's, I don't know, a door. I don't know. It's, it's a, I'm, I'm not a yeah. very good builder, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize the actual financial piece that goes into um, theater. They don't realize that, that, that things cost money, which sounds silly to say, um, but that they don't realize that the costume designer put all this together um, on a $200 budget that, they dressed, you know, 20 people on, on $200, um, or, or, um, the set cost $3,000 just to put together. And, and we may or may not be able to salvage some of the pieces or, Hey, that door was from little shop of horrors. And now we're using it for curious incident. And, and, you know, we have a shed out back that literally at the end of every production, um, our tech, our tech director will look at the set and, okay, and say, okay, what is still good that I can probably use again in the future? And people don't realize that in theater that happens. And, and, you know, why, why is it so expensive? Why is it so expensive? Well, I have an itemized list of a budget that's going to show you why it's so expensive. It's because when you go to home Depot and buy the materials, there's a thousand dollars. And then you have to pay the people to actually, you know, put it together or, or paint it or, you know, whatever. And we have many, many volunteers and many people come in and, and help. Um, but we do have things that also we have to pay people to do. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Wow. People um, you were bringing up COVID a couple of times yeah. uh, in the last uh, 10, 15 minutes. Um how is Marblehead Little Theater responding to the COVID-19 pandemic overall? Um, start by talking about that first day when we all learned of the shutdown and then <laughs> sort of uh, arc into how you've grown and developed yeah. the company as a result. Um, <laughs> I laugh because um, I was actually in the hospital having my daughter um, when all of this happened, oh my word. Wow. 
uh, quite literally was like in the hospital. Nurses are saying like, this thing is happening. We don't know what it means. I was very, very fortunate to have Emily and her husband support um, to jump in and help me um, navigate what this is going to mean for the theater while I was recovering um, from that. And not only just Emily and, and Steve's support, um, but the board of directors' support. We were in the middle of a production of Young Frankenstein. Um, and the most incredible thing to me is that I was at that production of Young Frankenstein that previous weekend. And then that coming, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, we start getting emails. You know, this is happening. This is happening. We got to shut down. We got to shut down. We got to shut down. Do we shut down? Do we not shut down? Do we? What does this mean? Um, we ultimately ended, ended up making the really, really difficult decision to end the run of Young Frankenstein early, um, which, you know, was heartbreaking for everyone. Um, and, and from there, we kind of just took a step back and said, okay, this is happening whether, whether we like it or not. Right. And, what can we do about it? Um, we were in the midst of casting and getting ready to go into rehearsals for Pippin. What does that mean? Do we go forward with the production? Do we not go forward with the production? Um, and really just taking it day by day based on the guidance from the CDC. And um, in the interest of honesty, what is Broadway doing? Because they, they're also kind of a, a good benchmark for should we also be doing this or not? Um so we made the decision to halt all in-person um, productions to align really with what Broadway was doing um, because we felt comfortable in their judgment. Um, and so from there, we said, okay, but we still have the option for Zoom or Facebook Live or, or what have you. So what options do we have there? That's nothing we had ever done before. Um, so we, and much like many people, right? Many people right. have never done these things before. What's Zoom? What's that? What is Zoom? Oh <laughs> God, it's all day of my life on Zoom. And it's like, hello, hello, can you hear me? Hi. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so we had our, our first um, virtual production, The Great American Songbook, over the summer. Um, followed up with, and I'm, I'm going to, um, forget some, cause I feel like we've done a bunch. Um, we had a series that was on our Facebook, um, that was, uh, I always call it the good, the bad, and the ugly, but that's not what it's called. Emily, what's the name of it? Oh, you're putting me on the Ooh, spot it's like, here. The big times, the big um, times, which was, which was a, um, part of a series that we put together kind of in addition to putting on that the Great American Songbook, we started to think, okay, well, what can we do from our house that isn't even a production as we were kind of like putting one toe into the water at the beginning. So we put together the time we called it a forum series, but we did things like um, a Q&A on what it's like to enter or to not to interview to audition for a show um and so it was two of our uh, directors kind of saying like the do's and don'ts of auditioning um we had a couple of sing-alongs so oh, people sing i loved the sing -along. and you could kind of request obviously no one was singing together except with the people that they lived within their home but the idea that the music was the piano was being played and somebody was singing along with the piano on screen and then you could sing along at home as well but as julia was saying the big times was a piece that we had multiple different um episodes of i want to call them um where it was a virtual directed and um produced show um about wrestling and so a board member um had a friend who was the writer of this piece um, and directed it as well. And there was probably like 10 to 15 people at any given time that were part of that production. And they did similar to what um, we're all talking about the, the Zoom, but they were all in their own different homes and spaces, but were able to perform a rehearsed um, program that way. Yeah. And then um, in November, um, we started a three um, part um, 
uh, a production of Spoon River Anthology, which has had two episodes come out already. Um, and the third will be out within the next few weeks. Um, and then for Valentine's Day, we had um, the Valentine's show. Um, that was just a fun um, Zoom uh, uh, uh cabaret style um show and anyone who made a donation um of x amount got a little um gift bag on their door that had like prosecco and and some i mean you had to be over 21 obviously um Mm -hmm. got you know (laughs) i want to prep i want to make sure that's there um you know got like little prosecco and got like a little gift bag and so um we're definitely adapting we're definitely not as busy as we we have been but like emily was saying before it's been a really it's been really good for us because otherwise we wouldn't have been able to repoint the building the repointing has been going on for about a month now um and there's still more to go and so we're still able to have the kids in there because they finished on the first floor already so all that dust and all that stuff is gone now um but it's been a good opportunity for us to to take care of of the building because we have no one else in there right now. Mm. Um and and to give it the the love, if you will, that um it really needs. I mean, the building's 130 years old, so it's it's old. Um and and it needs work. And so I hate to say that COVID is a blessing because it is definitely not a blessing, but but it's forced us to say, hold on a second. We have to refocus and we have to redirect to, to fix the things that we've always said, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to it. And that's going to allow for us to keep the building in good shape so that we can just continue to, to put on productions um, because we're taking care of the building. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. that's a, don't, don't feel guilty about saying that because, um, a lot of people have, have said that they've, they're taking, they're, they're doing like a lot of housekeeping that, you know, when you're mm-hmm. running around doing the productions, you're like, Oh, I wish I had time for this. And, and then it, it just, it, it continues to be neglected because you have another priority of getting a show up and running that people are yeah. paying to see and have already bought tickets. So there's, there's, there's quite a few people who have, who have done work on their theater or um, they're, they're looking at their, their budgets and seeing if they could pay some things off or reorganize. Um, it's, that's, that's a very common answer. You're. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's cool. Um, It's also been good for us because with this, you know, repointing the building is it's also forced us. And I say us, I have not personally been involved, but our our tech director has done a lot um, of just de-stashing and going through some of that. Like, Mm -hmm. do we need 97 baskets? No, we could probably do okay with 10. Do we need 47 sets of silverware? No, we probably will never need 47 sets of silverware. So with the repointing, um, he, with, with a few others are going through props and they're going through set pieces and they're going through costumes and, and they're saying, okay, what kind of stuff can we donate or do we want to hold on to? And, you know, we're looking at different functionality of, of some of the spaces, um, the rehearsal rooms, the office that we have, how can we just make this better and more functional? Right. So like when you move into your house, you put that table there and it seems like a good idea. And then suddenly six months later, you're like, that table's terrible there. Why, it's, why has it been sitting there for six months? <laughs> because you never say, hmm, I don't really like that table there until you actually move it. So that's what's happening now is that the, the pointing is now forcing um, the, the cleanup of not just the dust from the bricks, but the, the stuff that is, is taking over. Um, and I can't, get, I can't wait to get in there and see what it looks like. Yeah, very cool. Um, what has surprised you the most about your fellow artists' reaction to the COVID-19 crisis? Um, and I'm talking about, like, outside of, uh, of your theater. Like, I'm sure that you have uh, peers in other, um, in other theaters that maybe not in Marblehead, but 
in, in the outskirts towns. I mean, I, do, I really don't don't know geographically how you're laid out mm-hmm. there, but mm-hmm. but I'm sure that you talk to other people at other theaters. Um, what surprised you the most about how they're reacting? I think, I mean, go ahead. I think it's just, it's been interesting to kind of, from, from my perspective, to kind of just see like the playing field levels, which is, I think, an interesting way to talk about it. But I think if we look all the way from Broadway in New York down to Marblehead Little Theater and Marblehead Mass and everything in between our um, fellow community theaters um, on the North Shore or kind of any of the larger theaters in the Boston area, which see tours come through, everybody to kind of feel like everybody was dealing with the same situation, both from the actual pandemic, but then the next question of the, the now what? Um, and how can we, as we've been talking about, how we all are at the theater and bringing um, people together and bringing art to our communities is kind of just something that is the pulse inside us that we want to keep doing. And so how can we do that and kind of the learning from one another? I think that's been the most exciting thing to see is being able to say, oh, well, um, you guys just did your first production on Vimeo. What went well? What didn't go well? What would you guys do different next time? Or um, seeing a larger theater like the Cabot in Beverly, I can think of, just celebrated 100 years in their space. And they've been doing a pretty major renovation. Um, and to be able to see them celebrate and have their, what would have imagined, I imagine have been a massive gala and um, live performances to kind of um, be remembered for years and years to come, but for them to be able to change that and have um, James Taylor performed virtually for them um, and kind of see the way that different groups are able to, um, bring names in and still be able to provide for the community just in a different way has kind of been, I wouldn't, I don't know if that really is surprising to me, but it's definitely been heartwarming to kind of, kind of learn from one another and continue to lift each other up in this time period that we're all going through and then continuing to yearn for and hope and encourage one another that we will all be back to having patrons in our in our theaters and performers on our stages, hopefully in now the not too, too distant future, nearly 12 months in. I don't know what you were going to say, Julie. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think because we're all just kind of in the same boat, right. It's not like one group of us is exempt from this. Um, We're all, all, in these positions where we have to think outside the box and we have to see, you know, what different theaters are doing and, and not, not steal those ideas, but build on those ideas. You know, I've, I've had um, friends of mine who are on boards of other theaters, see what Marblehead is doing and reach out to me on Facebook and say, Hey, I saw that you were doing X, Y, Z. I mean, exactly what Emily said, like, how is that working? How, how did you guys make that happen? Cause I, we've been talking about it, but I can't quite figure it out. And I, I feel like there's a community here that really is, is not against each other. It's not, Oh, well, I'm not going to tell you how we did it. It's a, no, I'm going to tell you how we did it because we all have the same goals. We all want to, um, share our craft. We all want to share our art. We all want to, um, keep the doors open. So we have to think outside the box and we have to think creatively and we are all creative, right? But everyone's creativity is different. So I, I am always like, if anyone ever reaches out to me and says, Hey, how are you doing this? I'm trying to figure out what is going to work best for us. Can we have a dialogue? I'm like, yes, let's talk about it. And if I don't have the answer, I will pass you along to Emily because maybe she knows, or I'll pass you along to our tech director because maybe he has some more insight because even if we're with different groups, different levels, community, for-profit, not-for-profit, whatever is we all have to work together because otherwise we're not going to survive this. And I truly believe that. So that's not shocking. That's not surprising in any way. But it is, like Emily said, it's heartwarming to to see um, 
to see the these collaborations and maybe not visual collaborations like the Cabot is working with so-and-so, but you know that, that we're all kind of bouncing off each other. Yeah. So it feels like more of a um, the, an already tight-knit community of theater people is getting tighter and yeah. becoming um, more of a tighter family than, than before. Yeah. And uh, that's, I think that's wonderful. I really yeah. do. I think that's a, a terrific answer. And um, on so on that note, mm-hmm. we'll wrap up. I, I can't say it any better. I can't, I can't expand upon <laughs> that. Um, but before we do, can you please give our audience your social media information so that they can keep up with your company and, you know, find out what you're doing when you come back? Well, you haven't gone anywhere, but when, yeah. you know, go back to a theater inside the firehouse. Yeah. So, um, our website is mltlive.com. Um, that is where all of our updates, um, just our normal website, our Facebook page is Marblehead Little Theater. Um, and we are also on Instagram at MLT live as well. Um, Emily, I'm not missing any. It's those three that we maintain. Correct. And then in, just yeah. in addition to that, um, we do have an email channel and we send out newsletters. Um, and so if you, if anybody wanted to subscribe to our email list, you could do so on our website. Again, that mltlive.org um, is where you could join us. Yeah. I think I said .com, but .com and .org will send you to the correct website. They both work. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's great yeah yeah (laughs) um i don't know how you put the little in marble head little theater because (laughs) there's nothing i can't see anything little about anything that you've told me um but but that's that's the name of the theater and um i think it should be Marblehead Majestic Theater, or something like that. You know, I'll bring it up at the next board meeting. Exactly. I'll can, bring it up. <laughs> tell, tell Sean for your program. You should take it. Said no. Yeah. I mean, it's just everything that I'm hearing is just it's big and it's wonderful and it's it's it it takes care of a community and and you're doing so much incredible work and uh, you both and your whole team and the whole theater itself should just be so proud. Or she, I, I think you should feel proud of what you've done. I know it's difficult to do that because we're in it, you know. So I mean, some people are, when I when I write and stuff, people are like, "We well, should be really proud of that this is doing this." But I'm writing it. But you're in it and you're doing the work. And um, just to take a step back and say, look look at what we've done, look at what we're doing, and look at what what our what our plans are for the future, because I think that you're. Um, I just think that you're both fabulous and I oh thank you one of these days when I can't I could travel because I love to travel I would like to come out and see you in oh we would love that please come on wouldn't that be fun yeah Yeah. drive on up I'll have you (laughs) that would be great like when I'm telling everybody when they have you know like their first production back I'm I'm sure everybody's going to be back at the same time but one of the first, you know, season and the first season or so that you're back, I would, I would really like to come out and maybe we could do a follow up show. The, you know, yeah, that was then. This is now show. Yeah, absolutely. That every, would be really fun. Yeah, I Sorry, have every that we are going to make through this, make it through this with flying colors. This is just a a a, a trip in the road or, or a, a cinch in the time continuum or whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> it's a, a, it's just a bump. And and it's hard, but we're going to make it through it and we're going to learn from it and it's going to be great. Oh, yeah. It's it's just a scene in the book. It's just this. Oh, Emily, you're so eloquent. Wow. I had time to think about that while you were saying all of like, the other things. If I had just tried to say it off the cuff, it wouldn't have come out that way. But I'm like a, a leg on a foot. I don't know. I don't know what. <laughs> Well, I can't say it any better. So on on that note, I'll wrap up and let you uh, two ladies get back to your families. I know you both have uh, uh, children to to take care of and tend to. So, um, but I wanted to let you know that uh, I've had a a delightful time speaking with both of you. And I want to thank you so much for 
for um, for being a guest on your program as you take it, particularly with this series and really just, you know, being vulnerable and talking about how you felt and all of that. I think that that's what's connecting us all together. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I, I just think you're both amazing. Thank you very much. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for reaching out and thank you so much for having us. And you are amazing as well. Oh, thank. I know I fished for it, but <laughs> you deserved it. You deserved it. I appreciate it. Now, at my age, I take all, I accept all compliments. So yeah. Yeah. feel free to issue them. Yeah. Sure, and I could just talk to you all night. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Ladies, again, thank you for being on your program, Mr. Ticket, and have a great night. Okay. You too. Okay. Bye. 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 Well, folks, the 11 o'clock number has been sung and the bows have been taken. So it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, a big thanks to Julie and Emily for Marblehead Little Theater. They were delightful. You can find more episodes of your program is your ticket on the Broadway Podcast Network, who has honored me with a place on their incredible theater podcast platform. Broadway Podcast Network is all about creating an engaging, immersive, user-friendly experience where stories of all kinds can be easily found, shared, and enjoyed. Please visit them on my landing page at bpn.fm slash Y-P-I-Y-T. That's B-P-N dot F-M slash Y-P-I-Y-T. Your program is your ticket is also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and you can find it under Your Program is Your Ticket. I'm also on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, Podcast Addict, Podbean, Pocket Casts, Deezer, TuneIn, Listen Notes, and the UK-based theater platform Thespi. FYI, I appreciate all good ratings, reviews, and subscriptions. Folks, take a little time to visit theater websites and see what they have to offer as we transition through and out of this pandemic. Watch their content, give them all great ratings and reviews, and most importantly, donate, donate, donate. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. And remember, theater is for everyone. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.